Well, welcome, welcome, especially if this is your first time to Kingsgate or indeed to a, a church service like this. This is the third of our four celebration services here in Peterborough. We've got others going on in Cambridge, Leicester. We've got a party going on this afternoon in Finsbury Park. Uh, hope you're enjoying the service so far. Um, thought the t kids did great. What about the weatherman, hey? Special shout out to the weatherman. He, he was amazing. The theme we're taking this Christmas is the theme of joy to the world. I don't know whether you're somebody who enjoys Christmas or endures Christmas, whether you're a bit more like Buddy the Elf or the Grinch when it comes to Christmas. How many more like Buddy the Elf? I won't have a show of hands if you're more like the Grinch. I'm, I must admit, I'm like a Christmas enthusiast. I love it. You see, the thing is, at Christmas time, there's kind of cultural expectation, isn't there? We are supposed to be happy at Christmas. I mean, I've never said to anyone, you know, I wish you a miserable Christmas. We don't say that, do we? We say, you know, happy Christmas or merry Christmas. It's the cultural thing to do. Um, my first ever Christmas record, the first record I ever owned was a, a vinyl single of Slade's Merry Christmas. And I remember, I think it was 1972, I was nine at the time and I was dancing around the living room. I won't sing it to you, don't worry. But So here it is, Merry Christmas. And then there was this line, everybody's... Only a few of you know Slay's Merry Christmas. <laughs> anyway, everybody's having fun is the line of the, the song. But the thing is, you see, at Christmas time, not everybody is having fun. I heard it said that, you know, the abbreviation of Christmas, Xmas, the X stands for a multiplier. So if life is good and you know, things are great for you, at Christmas time, the likelihood is Christmas multiplies that sense of you know, all is well. But if you're actually struggling right now in life, Christmas can actually multiply the sense of dissatisfaction because we're supposed to be happy, but we don't actually feel happy. You see, the problem is, is that we confuse happiness with joy. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be happy, the problem is, though, happiness by definition is up and down. Happiness is linked to the word happenings. I, I saw this definition, which I think is very helpful. Happiness depends on what happens to us. So by, by definition, that means that things are going to go up and down. Let me give you an example. Um, last Saturday, I was having a great day off and you know, came to about Hubbers five and I sat down to watch Man City play Man United in the Derby game. I tell you, within about half an hour, my happiness completely left. And I was in some, a slough of despond, despair for about two hours afterwards. Why? Because um, I can't control things like that. No, happiness depends often on circumstances or it may depend on the season of life we're in. And so by definition, it's unpredictable. It's transitory, it doesn't last, but also happiness, I believe, is often elusive. We have this kind of thing that when we get somewhere, when something happens, then we'll be happy. So maybe you're here as a teenager and you think, when I get out of school or when I go to college or when I graduate, then I'll be happy. Or maybe you're here and you say, well, when I get married, uh, when I have children, um, when I own my own home, when I drive my first car, or some of us a bit older, when I get that promotion, when I go on holiday, some of you are right now saying, when I retire, then I'll finally be happy. 
The problem is, though, we're always looking out there for this thing called happiness, things that we think are going to satisfy us, and then we get there and we find they, they don't. You know, I could say, when Man City finally get back to the top, then I'll be happy. But actually, those things aren't really designed to bring us true satisfaction. So instead of pursuing this elusive, temporary, unpredictable thing called happiness, I believe we need to change our focus and actually pursue something that it is far more deeper, lasting, and certain, and it's joy. So what's the difference between happiness and joy? Often they look the same, but they're actually very different. Um, I heard it said that happiness is external, to do with what happens outside, but joy is internal. That means if you have real joy on the inside of you, you can actually experience that even when externally things may be tough. And so unlike happiness, which is up and down, joy can be something that abides even in the midst of the storms and trials of life. And this is where the, the wonderful message of Christmas comes in, because um, Christmas is actually all about joy. If we were to summarize, whereas happiness is based on what happens, if we look back at the first Christmas, we can say joy comes from Jesus. If you go back and you were to open a New Testament, part of the Bible, and were to go back to the original accounts of the first Christmas story, particularly if you look at the Gospel of Luke, Dr. Luke has almost like right through those first couple of chapters a primary note of joy. It seems like everybody who either hears about the birth of Jesus or meets Jesus is full of joy. Joy to the world is the theme of Christmas. And this whole joy theme reaches a stunning climax. Jesus has just been born in Bethlehem, and there's some shepherds out in the fields uh, outside. And an angel appears to these shepherds and, and makes this great announcement. He says, I bring good news that will bring great joy to all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. Good news of great joy. That is, if you like, the message of Christmas. And I love the fact that that announcement, that first announcement of Jesus' birth, doesn't come to the religious insiders several miles away in Jerusalem at the temple. It comes to a bunch of guys, working men, who were on the margins of society. They were shepherds. They were outcasts. As if the angel was saying, this is not for a special few. This message, this glorious celebration of this amazing birth isn't for a few people, it's for everyone. Another translation of that verse um, puts it this, like this, it's for everyone everywhere. Not certain types of people, for everyone. Not just in the first century, but in the 21st century. Not just in the Middle East, but here in, in the UK. This is for every single one of us. It's for you, whether you've been to church all your life, or this is your very first time. There is a promise of something better than happiness, more lasting, more deeply satisfying, and it's the joy that comes from Jesus. Now, there's so much we could say about this. Um, and so in the next three hours, I'll, um, no, in the next... 15 minutes or so. I just want to say three things about the joy that Jesus brings us. Firstly, it's the joy of a new beginning. The joy of a new beginning. You know, we're celebrating a physical birth 2,000 years ago, but actually Christmas at the heart of it, it's the sense of there's the promise of new birth, rebirth, a new start or a new beginning for every single one of us. 
You know, 2020 is coming fast. We're going not just into a new year, but we're entering into a new decade. I don't know how you would view 2019 or the previous decade. Has it been a good year, a good decade? How many would like to go into 2020 and 2020 to be better than 2019? Anyone? Or is it just me? There's been lots good about 2019, but there are, there are challenges we've had. What about going into the new decade with a sense of a new start and a new beginning? I wonder what that would look like for you. Well, for 400 students at a college in Atlanta in May this year, they were all uh, about to graduate, and a, a US billionaire got up and announced to the whole group that at one stroke, he was going to pay off all their student debt worth $40 million. How many love their reaction? I mean, wouldn't you feel a bit like that? So, so there's a sense that you know, they, they would have gone into their, their next stage of life carrying this weight of debt. Now they're going free. And what's the response? Happiness. <laughs> there's, this, there's the overflow. Well, I'm going to tell you, Christmas, there's the promise of something even greater than our financial debts being paid off. It's right actually at the very heart of who this baby is. We, we call him, and that was his name, Jesus. Sadly, in our culture today, Jesus is often known just as a swear word. But actually, the name Jesus is a wonderful, beautiful name. It means the Lord saves or the Lord rescues. Can I say Christmas is not just a nice, cuddly, cute story, nativity scenes, whatever. Christmas is the story of the most dramatic rescue mission in history. Yes. Jesus came. Listen to the words of the angel to Joseph. He said, you are to name him, give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Something that actually weighs us down more than financial debt. It's the selfishness, it's the harm that we can do ourselves and other people. And there's the promise that Jesus is going to come and rescue us from that. First, he's going to forgive us so that we can have a relationship with God. And then he comes to begin to free us from the things that weigh us down and stop us moving forward with joy and freedom. I remember many years ago, uh, Karen and I were given a gift to go on a hot air balloon ride. So we, we drove out from here into the country. We got into the, the basket and um, the balloon was all fired up, ready to go. Nothing happened. We stayed on the ground until the guy in charge stayed, started taking out the weights from the basket, the ballast. And as he took the weights out, we immediately took off. As it were, the byproduct of the weights coming off was we just started to soar. And we, and we just got this amazing perspective uh, of, of the ground. Can I tell you, life down here looks a lot better when you're up there. And I thought about that. It's a little bit like that with, with our lives, you see. If we're carrying weight and baggage... It doesn't matter how much we tell ourselves or other people tell, tell us, you've just got to be happy. How many know it's hard to be happy when you don't feel happy? It's hard to feel joy when there's things as it were holding you down on the ground. And so we can't hype happiness. What we need to do is we need to come to Jesus and allow him to free us from weights so that joy will be the, the overflow from on the, on the inside of us. And so what are some of the weights? Well, if you remember that video from earlier on, they're all those little bricks. They're all kinds of things that we can carry that weigh us down. How many know that fear can be a real weight? 
Anxiety, depression, rejection, self-hatred, they can be things that doesn't matter what we do, and we need to get free from those things. And, and I believe Jesus Christ, this Christmas, wants to set people free so that we can go into a new day and a new decade freed from all that weight, and the result is joy will come. It's the joy of a new beginning. I know from personal experience, I, although I grew up in a, in a Christian home, I didn't, I didn't know Jesus, I lived a selfish life. I was up at university, externally things were kind of okay, but internally something was missing. And then I remember praying a prayer and asking the Lord to come into my life. And that sense of being forgiven and free, and what I wasn't expecting was I experienced a joy like I've never done that has been lasting ever since. It's the joy of a new beginning. That's not just for me. Every single one of us can experience the joy of a new beginning. That's the first thing. It covers our past. It deals with our past. But how do you know you don't just want to start well? The Christmas is about not just the beginning of our journey, but it's about God becoming present with us for the whole of life's journey. And so secondly, I want to talk briefly about the joy of a constant companion. You see, one of the things that can be multiplied to us at Christmas time are relationships or our sense of relational satisfaction. So sometimes, and for some of us here, you know, you're really looking forward to Christmas because it's a time with family and friends and it's good. But for others here, maybe Christmas is a time when it highlights relational breakdown and it's painful. Or maybe it highlights that the loneliness that you might feel in the rest of the time can be accentuated at Christmas time. And I know, I'm, I'm sure that people here who've been recently bereaved and something in their sense of the loss and the pain can only be multiplied at Christmas time. Well, my prayer and my hope for every single one of us is right into the midst of that, that you and I might know the joy of Jesus as our constant companion in all the opportunities, all the challenges, all the blessings, and all the troubles of this life. You see, again, right at the heart of the Christmas story is the words of, um, th th that were given here. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and here's another name, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, can we say this together? God with us. If you want to know what Christmas is all about, it's there in those three words. It's God has come to be with us, to be our constant companion. I don't know if you've ever seen the film um, Gorillas in the Mist. This is a picture of Sigourney Weaver who played the, the main character, Diane Fossey. She was a California, Californian zoologist who loved animals and was concerned about the plight of the rare gorillas in Rwanda. And so she, she goes from the comforts of home, California, to, um, to live on a 14,000-foot rain-shrouded mountain for two, nearly two decades just because she wanted to be with and help these beautiful rare animals. At first, they didn't accept her because she's an outsider. She's not a gorilla. So she starts... Um, imitating their sounds. She starts eating like them, uh, mimicking their movements until finally they accept her as one of their own. She named their babies. She mourned with them when one of them died. She defended them against attackers and against poachers. And then finally, tragically, one day, she actually literally laid her life down, probably killed by a poacher. 
It's a moving story, but it's actually just a, a, a pale imitation of a much greater story that we're celebrating here at Christmas, which is that um, over 2,000 years ago, God did something far more wonderful and far more risky. He didn't just go from California to Rwanda. He came from heaven to earth in the person of his son. He sent him on the ultimate um, presence mission. You see, he didn't remotely come to help us and save us. He actually came in person. He didn't come just uh, as Diane Fossey did, just to imitate us as human beings. The miracle of Christmas is that somehow God became man and entered into our human story. Jesus Christ is real. He is God, but he is a real human being. And so some, some people say, well, you know, I can't relate to God. He seems distant. He seems aloof. What about suffering? Does God care? Does God understand? And what, what Christmas tells us is God not only understands, he, he cares like we can't even imagine because he actually became one of us. See, Jesus was a real human being. He experienced joy and sadness. He experienced closeness and loss. He knows what it is to be one of us. He doesn't stay a baby, of course. He grows up the age of 30. He receives the Holy Spirit. And then in three and a half years of ministry, he does more good and changes more people's lives than anyone else in history. He helps people, heals them, guides them, sets them free, frees them from oppression. And then in an ultimate act of love, he dies on a cross to pay the price for the sin and the selfishness and the brokenness and the injustice and the pain of the, of the whole human race. Not a pointless death like Diane Fossey's, but a redemptive death that is here to bring life and healing to all mankind. And then, of course, he doesn't stay dead, but three days later, he rises from the dead. He's alive today, and he is here present with us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And so we, yeah, so we can say, Christmas is not just something past. God is now Emmanuel with us in every situation and every circumstance of life. It's been said that at Christmas time, we don't need more presents. We need more of God's presence. Presence may give you temporary happiness, but only the presence of God can give you lasting joy. And so whether you're here and whether you're a Christian or whether you, this is all brand new to you, I want to encourage you, draw near to Jesus. He is the source of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that's two things, the joy of a new beginning, the joy of a constant companion. But third, um, Jesus comes to bring us the joy of a glorious future. You see, when, when we talk about Christmas, we, we, we have this run-up season called Advent. Um, and Advent simply means coming. So we, it's a double celebration, actually. We're looking back to Jesus' first Advent, or coming, but historically, Advent was as much about looking forward to his second coming at the end of history. First coming, second coming. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, as, a, as a boy, I was besotted with Christmas. I was so excited. And for me, the actual run-up was almost more exciting than the actual day itself. Um, I remember um, the, the, the thrill of opening day one of the Advent calendar. Anyone got any children around in your, in your home, grandchildren, children? I mean, they, they're so excited by Christmas, aren't they? They're beside themselves. And so, you know, day after day, open the Advent calendar. And then, uh, as, as a family, we would celebrate Christmas big. We would decorate the whole house. In, in our day, what we would do, we would make 
homemade lanterns and paper chains. I mean, it was real state-of-the-art stuff. It took us days to make these things. But so the, 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 just the build-up continued. And all the way through on Christmas Eve, we would normally gather around the piano. And I remember my, my granny playing on the piano. We would sing carols. And then we would go into the morning. We were only allowed the small presents in the stockings early in the morning. And then we had to wait till the end of the Queen's speech. It was unbearable until we, op- until we were able to open the proper presents. But as I look back at my childhood days, I honestly have no memory, if you, if, if, if you like, of the gloom and doom of late November and December. I don't remember being bothered by short days or boring school. All I can remember is Christmas. It was like that whole season of probably what was gloomy was overshadowed by the joy of something that was about to happen. And I believe as human beings, we often lose that childish excitement, don't we? We get a, can get a bit tired and cynical with life. But actually, I believe there's still something on, on the inside of each of us. There's something in us that says, there's got to be something better than what we're living in right now. Whether it be personally, whether it be nationally, whether it be as the world. Is, is there not some hope out there somewhere? And the, the stunning answer of Christmas is yes, because Jesus came... Uh, 2,000 years ago, there's far more promises and prophecies of the certainty that he's coming back again to bring an end to all suffering, all death, all pain. He has come to bring a new day and a new world. And that is an event that we can look forward to with great anticipation. And it means that even when life is tough, there's the joy of a glorious future that can keep us going and can keep us strong. C.S. Lewis said many years ago, author of the Narnia tale, said this, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Hoping that there's something better there is. It's the promise of Jesus coming back and changing everything, wiping away every tear, dealing with every sense of injustice, that we might live forever and ever in God's presence. That is a day worth looking forward to. So there's a threefold promise here. There's many more things I could say. There's, uh, there's the joy of a new beginning. There's the joy of God's presence, a constant companion helping us on life's journey. And then there's the joy of a glorious future. The thing is, although that's all true, and this is news that all of us have now heard, Hearing about something is not the same as experiencing it. If we go back to the first shepherds, uh, the, the shepherds on that first Christmas, they heard the message from the angel. Good news of great joy for all people. But they didn't actually experience the joy until they decided to leave their fields and personally go to Bethlehem and actually meet Jesus. And then it says they returned back full of joy. I love this. They let loose glorifying and praising God for everything that they had heard and seen. They had to make a choice. Now, we don't have to go on a journey to Bethlehem because Jesus isn't there anymore. He's alive and he's present everywhere by his Holy Spirit. And so we can make a choice this Christmas to say, I'm not going to base my life on temporary happiness. I'm going to open up my life to the joy that Jesus brings. We can just pray a simple prayer and invite him to come in. And so the good news is that billions of people have done that through history. 
Thousands of people have done that in this one local church here in Kingsgate Peter. And I just want to show you a couple of people um, who their lives have been changed as they've made a choice to receive Jesus into their lives. So please watch this. I was always a really happy child. I had great family, great friends, really loved school, but I wouldn't say I, I knew who I really wanted to be or, or where I wanted to go. Um, but when I was 14, I was invited to Kingsgate and I came to a Christmas service and I'd never really been to church before and I'd never heard about this God that I could have a relationship with that, that would bring me joy and bring that purpose that I didn't feel like I had. I kept coming along to Kingsgate and then at youth camp, I decided to give my life to God. He gave me a new identity in Him so that I had such a peace and excitement for my future. I gained a security that I hadn't experienced before because I knew He had an amazing plan ready for me to step into. I now work with young people and I absolutely love it. And I get the privilege of telling them about God and, and showing them that they can have a joy and purpose in Him too. I used to feel like I wasn't really living life, I was more observing it. As I've heard someone say about depression before, that it was as though you were, you were watching life happen through a pane of glass. I just had this constant feeling of, of emptiness, of restlessness. And in order to try and fill that emptiness, I would go out, I would get drunk, I would do something embarrassing, I would feel really foolish about it. And then the only time I would feel okay again, the only time I would feel kind of numb is when I got drunk again. I just got to a point of just thinking I hate the way I'm living, I'm hating feeling like this and things came to a head at one point and I decided I would try giving up drinking. A few weeks after that a friend at work told me that she was a Christian and she invited me along to this Kingsgate. I think it was just, you know, my life isn't it's working out the way I'm doing it now so what have I got to lose? After all, maybe God is the answer. And I, I came along and I had a, met some wonderful people, had a great uplifting experience. Um, but I still wanted to look into it, find out whether it was true or not. And I did. I started looking into things and I found that the truth claims of Christianity, as far as I was concerned, they were true. But it, was, it wasn't just an intellectual exercise. I had an experience of God. When I came to the point that I thought this is real and I asked for forgiveness and Jesus came into my life, everything changed. Since getting to know God, that restlessness has gone, that uh, emptiness has been filled, that sense of, of despair and depression has just been replaced with just this sense of joy, which is always there, you know, whether I'm in the classroom or uh, as, a, as a husband, as a, uh, as a father, just that sense of joy is always with me. And I don't know where I'd be today if I hadn't uh, met the Lord, if I hadn't accepted that invitation to Kingsgate, but when I think about how much God has transformed my life and how much is going on right now and how much he's given me, if I'm honest, I don't really want to think about it. Wonderful. <clears throat> Two very different stories, but both of them have something in common. At some stage in their life, they made a choice to pray a simple prayer, to invite the Lord into their lives. And joy has been one of the uh, amazing blessings they've experienced. And that's not just for them. I prayed a similar prayer. As I said earlier on, all through history, people have done a similar thing. They've just opened their lives, invited God to come and change them.